Hey guys, how's it going? Miguel here from CFS Recovery. In this video, I'm gonna be talking about what to do if you are extremely bored at home with nothing to do. Now, this pretty much describes me the entire eight months I was living at my grandparents' house. When I was pretty much bedridden, didn't know what to do, sitting in a room all day, staring at the ceiling, staring at the wall, my days would literally consist of me staring at the clock right across my bed, watching it tick and that happened for months and months, and I was going absolutely insane. Now, the only thing I did to keep myself busy, for the most part, was listening to things like podcasts. Going on my phone, which I'm gonna dive into in a little bit here, is definitely not something you wanna do when you're in the thick of recovery, especially if you're bedridden and you're pretty limited physically, but boredom is a huge thing, right? Because like I said, we're limited in what we can do. It's not like we can go sit outside all the time. We can't go for a drive. We can't really hang out with friends to distract our minds. So the way it worked for me was my world started to become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So at one point I was able to go to work and hang out with friends. Then I was just able to go to work. Then I was just able to do groceries, then go for a short walk with my dog, then barely leave the house. Then I was stuck in the house, then I was stuck mainly in my room, and then I was stuck mainly in bed. So my world shrunk and got smaller and smaller and smaller. And when that happens, you're pretty much stripped of a lot of the things that used to keep you busy, the things that kept your mind distracted. And when you're pretty much sitting at home doing nothing, most people will look at that and think, oh, this person's lazy, or, oh, that must be nice, just go home and rest. But the thing is, while you may be resting physically, you're probably not resting mentally. And this is what we see a lot with people in the program, especially in the first one and two weeks when we're really diving deep into their situation, especially on the check-in calls. We find that even though they're trying to rest physically, they are very active cognitively, mentally, emotionally, and they're running a thousand miles per hour in their head. So they might as well not be resting at all. A lot of times you'll realize that even if you're resting physically, you may feel worse physically. You may feel super drained even though you're not doing anything. And that's because your mind is still under tons and tons of stress. Now, when you have a hypersensitive nervous system, your brain, it doesn't really know the difference between all these different stressors. So you having your mind run a thousand miles an hour, worrying about what could happen, worrying about what you have, worrying what you should be doing, if you did the right thing, if you did too much, all those questions can actually be more stress for your body than you just walking down the street and coming back. It's interesting how that works. So what are some practical things you can do when you're actually bored other than letting your mind run on a loop? What are some things that you can implement to, to keep your mind off of things, to help the time go by a lot faster? If you know you should be resting, okay, what can you do? Because obviously you can't just stare at a ceiling or stare at a wall. What does rest look like? So I'll paint that picture for you. For me, resting was pretty much sitting on the couch, staying at home, listening to podcasts, listening to YouTube videos, watching things here and there, also listening to audiobooks, something that allowed my brain to focus on something else other than my own thoughts. Because if I was left to my own devices, right? If I was left with my own thoughts in a room, they could tend to be very dark. They could tend to snowball into all these questions about recovery. It could cause me to overthink things. So a lot of people, they're a bit scared, a bit fearful of adding in something like a podcast or like an audiobook because they think it's gonna to be too stimulating. But in reality, 
if they didn't listen to anything, their cognitive level, their level of thinking and emotional engagement, let's say for example, it's up here. Whereas if they actually focus on something else, something like an engaging audiobook or some nice easy music, their level of stimulation is actually down here. So by focusing on some other things, you're actually resting more and less stimulated than you are with your own thoughts. Now, that seems pretty crazy, right? Because you would think adding in an audiobook or podcast is increasing your stimulus. Well, no, a lot of times it's actually not because the stimulus you have with your own thoughts is way higher than anything. And there's a lot of noise going on. So to have these other anchors in your mind, things that can bring your stimulation down, it's really gonna be beneficial for your recovery. So finding things you're interested in, finding things you at least somewhat enjoy is a really good way to do it. And also, I wouldn't suggest lying in bed all day, you know, unless you absolutely have to. Now, I thought I absolutely had to because every time I try to sit up or do certain things, I would feel a crazy amount of symptoms. But what I found is once I started breaking out of that bedridden state, I was able to sit up, the symptoms would be through the roof. My body would be vibrating, I would be dizzy. But after about 10 or 15 minutes, if I stayed calm and if I was in a good headspace, like I was listening to some good music or listening to an engaging podcast and I really limited the fear, I was actually fine. Like the symptoms would definitely come down a significant amount after about 10 or 15 minutes. So it was just that initial 10 to 15 minutes that was extremely uncomfortable. But if you can get through that, if you can handle it well, then your body starts to calm down and restabilize. But I found that podcasts, like I said, were really helpful. Audiobooks, listening to music was really good. Also just having some really good conversation with people. So when I was in the hospital, a lot of people don't know this unless they've watched like all of my videos because I've mentioned this a few times, but I was in the ICU for about four weeks, intensive care unit. They were running every single test on me. They had me hooked up to all these machines and IVs. They didn't know what was going on. They ran every test they could in the books. Thankfully, I live in Canada, so all of that was covered, right? Anywhere else, that would have been tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So I got all of those tests done, and eventually they just said, you know what, Miguel? You don't belong here. We can't help you. Your organs are fine. Your heart is okay. Your brain, there's no damage. So the only other thing that could be going on here is something within your neural pathways, something in your brain. So we can actually pair you up with a psychiatrist here who is experienced in this field, but you have to go home. You have to go home and you'd be transporting back every day to work with him. And I told him, I can't, I can't go back home. If I go back home, I'm gonna die. Like this is it. So what's another option? And they said, well, you can actually stay at the hospital, but in a completely different wing. We have a psychiatric ward. It's pretty much half empty right now. So there's extra beds there. You can sleep in there so you can work directly with that psychiatrist. And I told them, there is no way I'm staying in a psych ward. I'm not crazy. And they were saying, no, this would be voluntarily. So you could go home anytime you want. It's just because we have extra beds there. It's completely safe. There's nurses, there's security. You're not going to get hurt. And I just told them, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really have a choice because there's no way I can go home right now. So yeah, let's try it out. And they moved me that day. And actually over the next three and a half weeks, I think something that really helped me get out of that really bored state and get me away from my own thoughts was interacting with the other people in the psych ward. And it was the most interesting three and a half weeks in my entire life. And I actually had a very positive experience. I guess not everybody has that, but for me, it was the best experience ever. So I was going around talking to people in a wheelchair in the beginning. At first, 
all I could do was sit up in a wheelchair and they would roll me around. The nurses and some people in there. And then I learned to use it on my own. By the second week, I was using a walker. By the third week, I was walking on my own two feet, just from like my bedroom to the, the living area, then to the washroom, like very minimal. And there was a lot of discomfort. Don't get me wrong, my symptoms were through the roof, but I was keeping my composure because the doctors were there helping me, especially my own psychiatrist. He was really, really helping me. But in talking to other people, in learning about their stories, I was just really into the conversation. And while we were talking, I wasn't worried about, is this gonna make me crash? Is this gonna make me go back to square one? Going back to square one was completely off the table as soon as I got there. As soon as I found out that, wow, my response to the symptoms actually determines if I get better or not, holy cow, okay, then I'm just gonna make sure my response to the symptoms is the best it can be. Even if it didn't look the best at the time, even if it looked like me kind of shaking there and trembling and like my heart rate through the roof, I was handling it well mentally. But I was going around in my wheelchair, talking to people, learning about their stories, and I was very, very intrigued learning about people's backgrounds, how they ended up there, what was their life like before. So in creating these friendships, it got me out of my own head. So I needed that other stimulus to get me away from my own thoughts. Because at that time, my thoughts were just not good. And there was a lot of negativity. So I needed something else for my brain to focus on. And it really comes down to neuroplasticity. Our brains, when we are in the trenches of CFS, there is a very negative bias. And I'm gonna make another video about this, but for every one negative thought, you need something like five positive thoughts to cancel that out. So if you're constantly having all these negative thoughts, you need an exponential amount more of positive overriding thoughts, even just to balance it out. And it can get to a ratio of five to one. It's actually in the book, The Upward Spiral. So for every negative thought that you have, it can take five positive thoughts just to cancel that out, just to maintain that same level of dopamine in your brain. So when you have something like this, you tend to default to negative thinking. And that's the way your brain is wired. So that's why it's good to have these other things in place, like an audiobook, like a podcast, like something else for your brain to focus on other than your own thoughts, because it's stimulating the other neural pathways. The neural pathways of joy, of creativity, of visualization and things like that, it's gonna help. Now, there's also gonna be some people watching this video, maybe you're one of them who says, visualization doesn't work for me. If I try visualizing something, I just get an immediate migraine, my body shuts down. Okay, then don't do visualization. Do what works for you. You do need to find something that works for your nervous system. Like everybody's nervous system is a little bit different. It doesn't work exactly the same for everybody. So you need to find what works for you. And once you do that, it's really gonna help you. So there's a lady in the program, you know, I'm not gonna mention her name, but she was completely bedridden. Couldn't even really look at a screen, very debilitated. And we were trying to find things for her to do, right? To help the time go by, in addition to just her responding to symptoms, because you can only do that for so long. If you're there lying in bed in a dark room, how do you make that time pass? So we were saying, try listen to a podcast on very low volume. And when you listen to that podcast, don't wear earplugs or earphones. Don't wear AirPods. Listen to it on the speaker on your iPhone because it's less stimulating. Listen to audiobooks. And even that was a little too much for her. So because she used to be in acting and she used to do screenplays and all of that stuff, she was building these scripts in her head. She's still doing it right now, right? She's, she's in that phase where we found something that is starting to work for her. And 
as she's building these different characters, writing these scripts, she was actually able to feel some massive shifts that helped her feel normal for just a small window of time. So to go from completely debilitated, completely full of like just negative thoughts and that's the default mode, to be able to go to the washroom and on the way back, see yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I feel normal for, for five or 10 seconds. To have that window, that's what we call a mind shift. So you wanna do things that work for you, right? Whether it's imagining your, yourself at your favorite vacation spot or something to elicit positive emotions, that's what you wanna do, right? You want something like that. And when the symptoms come, you wanna to get to a more neutral place where you're completely indifferent to the symptoms. You know, this video has kind of branched off into a few different topics, but overall, I just wanna let you guys know that if you are bored, you want to find other stimulus and not just be stuck in your head the entire time. Because chances are, if you're in the situation right now, they're not gonna be all positive thoughts. A majority of them are going to be negative thoughts. And that's what we don't want because that's just gonna perpetuate the downward spiral or just keep you stuck. So you wanna find other stimulus that can help you feel joy, feel other things other than the fear and worry and anxiety and panic. And like I said, I gave you some ideas, podcasts, audiobooks. You can watch Netflix, but whatever you do, don't spend too much time on the screen or on your phone because that can actually be very detrimental to your recovery. We see it a lot. We've been looking at patterns. So myself and the other coaches in the program, we're seeing these patterns all the time. People are not doing anything physical, but they're on their phone half the day. And we found that in just lowering screen time, it will actually allow your body to grant you more capacity for physical movement and less physical symptoms. So there's this whole balance of cognitive and physical, and that's a completely different video that I need to create. But don't just watch your phone half the day. Don't spend too much time looking at a screen because that can be very stimulating. And I actually have a separate video for that, which you can find right up here. The subscriber highlight comment for this video comes from a user. I can't quite read it because it's in another language, but the comment is, acceptance is the key to recovery. Mindfulness is the one who helps you monitor pain, thoughts and anxiety, and puts a distance between you and them, where you can observe them without judging them. Do not rush to heal and keep waiting for the cure. Let it come alone. Just take a mouthful. Do not wait. Waiting strains your nervous system. Watch your thoughts and feelings as well and do not judge them and do not add to them feelings and thoughts of your own so as not to put pressure on your nervous system. Yes, absolutely true. The more you feel like you're waiting for this thing to be over, like you're waiting to get your life back, that's only adding more stress. Once you can get to a place of not anticipating the future or regretting the past and just living in the present moment, it's gonna help a ton with your anxiety. And all anxiety is rooted in an anticipation of the future of what's to come or regret of what's happened in the past. Treatment is in your reaction to the disease. Watch your reaction when it attacks. Watch your inner voice when it attacks. If that's the case, stop it so that your nervous system relaxes and it understands that you're fine and that it doesn't need to be defensive. Do something you love, accept everything. Do not forget that you can advance and then relapse, accepting the setbacks itself. Something interesting that I experienced was after I was released from the hospital, I still wasn't fully functioning. And I wanna talk about this because it's really important in terms of understanding setbacks. I never, ever, ever felt that I had a setback after I got out of the hospital. Even if my symptoms flared up really bad, even if I had to spend a few days at home just to let my body calm down, that was not a setback. Because something that I talk about in my other videos, and you can find it up here, adjustment periods versus crashes, 
you'll find that you actually need to go through adjustment periods in order to get better. You need some kind of stimulus to help pull your body out of the state that it's in to get out of the quicksand. And it's impossible for you to get your life if you don't go through these adjustment periods. So adjustment periods are on the way, not in the way. They are absolutely not setbacks. And if you look at them as setbacks, then you will stay stuck if you look at them as setbacks. So don't look at the flare-ups as setbacks. Control your response to the symptoms. If you did want a chance to have your comment highlighted in the next YouTube video, make sure to comment down below. What's your biggest takeaway from this video? And what's some advice you have for some other thrivers who watch the videos on this channel? If you did like this video, make sure to hit that like button down below. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any videos on this channel. And if you did want some extra help for your recovery, if you wanted some guidance, some step-by-step -step guidance, you know, not just in a group setting, but working with the coaches, because that's something we have in Recovery Jumpstart, make sure to click the link down below. You could check out how our program works. You can apply for the program. And if you are a good fit, we would love to help you get your life back and work with you. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Remember to respond well to symptoms. Try to implement at least one thing from all of the videos I create because it's useless if you just watch these and then just move on to the next one and the next one. So try to actually take some ideas from these and implement them because knowledge without implementation is useless. Always remember, you are one mind shift away from living a life of thriving health. See you in the next video.